And welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable, the first of two special episodes we have for you this week. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter because I can't stay away and I can't stop responding at Bob McDonald. Jimmy Lemke, who will be joining us on the second episode as opposed to this one, you can find him on Twitter at PantherU. And as always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at HorizonRT. As I mentioned, this is the first of two special episodes because we've got two great interviews this week. Um, the uh, the one that the second episode, uh, we'll, we'll just say it right out again. We're gonna we're having Oakland's coach Greg Campy on, so you definitely don't want to miss the second episode. The first episode, this episode, right now. We're interv- we're going to be uh, having a discussion, or at least I'm going to be having a discussion with Scott Garrett, who is the new athletic director at Cleveland State. Uh, he just came on the job about a month ago, and uh, he's been uh, kind of just kind of jumped in with uh, with both both jumped in the pool with both feet. So uh, he's been a busy guy. So it, it's it's good to finally get a moment to get him in and definitely have a nice talk about where he kind of, uh, where he kind of sees Cleveland state going forward. Plus, you know, he, as I'm, as, as I'm sure you all uh, have, have seen, he does, he has some, uh, already has some horizon league, uh, horizon league roots, having spent uh, quite a number of years over at UIC. And so we're definitely going to have a discussion about that as well. So, Without any further ado, let's go ahead and get started, and here we go with our, my interview with Scott Garrett. All right, Scott, um, thank you very much for joining us here on the podcast, uh, and, uh, and welcome to Cleveland State. Well, thanks, Bob. I appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me and giving us an opportunity to talk about Viking Athletics. Uh, you thank me now, but... <laughs> Um, yeah. but, <laughs> um, so obviously, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit kind of about your, your journey to this point. Um, uh, as I understand, obviously your, your roots are actually in the horizon league. So kind of walk me through, uh, cause you started at UIC. Um, so kind of walk me through that, that first year of yours. Cause as I understand it, you kind of had an interesting journey to get to, um, you started out as an intern and then you kind of worked your way into a full-time role. Kind of talk to, talk to me a little bit about kind of that entire journey. Cause that sounds like a, yeah, it, yeah. it sounded pretty interesting to me, but I wanted to share it with everybody else. Sure. So um, I went as an undergrad to Illinois state university mm-hmm. um, and uh, grew up in the, the Southwest suburbs of Chicago and, and went to Illinois state and enjoyed four years there. And it was about halfway through that undergraduate experience, but, you know, I thought I might want to work in college athletics and, and be an athletics director someday. Um, when I graduated from Illinois State, went on to grad school at Indiana and spent just over a year there. And I was as I was wrapping up the sport management um, degree, uh, my master's at Indiana, uh, my fiance at the time, my wife now, Christy, and I were, um, you know, set to get married that fall in 2003 and move back home. Uh, and I was looking for jobs in college athletics and, you know, having a really hard time getting my foot in the door. Mm-hmm. So I emailed all the athletics directors at the Division One level in Chicago, you know, Northwestern, Loyola, UIC, DePaul, 
Um, and, and the AD at the time, Jim Schmidt, who has since retired in the last couple of years, um, reached back out and said, we'd love to have you interview for a marketing and ticket sales internship. And so I did, I drove up and and interviewed and and they hired me that day. They said, you're going to make $800 a month and, um, it's a year long internship and we'll, we'll see where it goes. And so the agreement was, you know, until I found something full time that I would do that. And about three months into that internship, our director of sales and ticketing left. Um, And that was the 2003-2004 season. So, you know, for for nine months of that year, um, and it was UIC's last NCAA tournament appearance. Yes, it was. You know, I was a one-man marketing and ticket crew and and oversaw all of that operation as as really almost an unpaid intern. Um, And that experience allowed me to get hired on full-time, and I spent another four years there. Yeah, uh, that must have been a brutal commute. I've had to drive. Uh, I've had the recent pleasure of driving into uh, over by the UIC area. That that's not a great. Uh, that's not great, especially during rush hour. <laughs> yeah, when I started, um, we lived about fifty miles um, from downtown, and that was about a two-hour commute uh, each way. Wow! And we moved a bit closer uh, as the time went on, and once I got full time and could afford to live in a closer place. We moved about half that distance, about 30 miles, and that was still about an hour and 15 minutes um, each way. And so, yeah, having a young family and um, trying to grind and working a lot of hours and trying to hustle tickets and sure. um, working basketball games and other sporting events, it made for some for some really long days. And it was really a test of, you know, do you really love this and is this what you want to do forever? And for me, it's always been, you know, a passion to help student athletes and interact with fans and donors and, you know, just provide value back to the university. And uh, I definitely, you know, that experience made me better um, and and really tested my resolve of, is this what I want to do as a career? Hmm. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. That definitely sounds like it would. Now, um, I'll get, because I want to talk a little bit about Jimmy Collins, because I know that's right when you were, uh, you know, you, you both, your, your paths cross, I'm sure. Um, Yeah, they they did. Um, I got there in, yeah, go ahead. Oh well, I, I, I the one thing you mentioned um, doing ticketing for for multiple sports, sports, um, and, and I gotta ask because I'm, uh, I, I was, uh, I assume in that is obviously includes baseball. And I'm trying to remember was that around the same time that Curtis Granderson was going there? Uh, so Curtis's uh, tenure as a student athlete predated me getting there. I think he graduated the year before. Okay, um, and got drafted the year before gotcha. I arrived. But the great story about Curtis was that. He, um, I think he was supposed to come there to play basketball and ended up as a baseball really? player. And then obviously that took off, um, uh, took him on a totally different path. And uh, definitely one of the, the great success stories is UIC. And he's, he's given back to UIC so sure. much, um, you know, and during his professional career. And just, a, just a really great guy. I've been fortunate to meet him a couple times. And, you know, great people there in Chicago. And you mentioned Jimmy Collins, and I did work with Coach Collins and his staff. And, you know, I was fortunate that first year to be a part of his team that had 23 wins. Sure, and, that was the, um, uh, you know, Cedric Banks and Martel Bailey and Armand Williams yep. and those guys. And, um, you know, but then, but then we went down to, to Kemper Arena and, and got killed by KU, and they sang <laughs> Rock Chalk the whole second half. And um, that, was a, that was a very interesting experience. Yeah, I, I'm sure it was. I know um, the the Jimmy Collins. Uh, Jimmy Collins obviously 
you know, it, it is it will always be remembered in in Horizon League lore. Um, I know my my co-host Jimmy Lemke is a is a Milwaukee grad uh, is a Milwaukee grad. So uh, and I and I know that uh, the 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 rivalry between Bruce Pearl when he was still at Milwaukee and uh, and Jimmy Collins was was rather heated. <laughs> So that was uh, a- yeah, made for some for some interesting <laughs> moments having them back there. Obviously, their history went back a long ways in the Big Ten days, and yeah. um, you know, for for me, the perspective was that it sold tickets. Um, oh yeah, you know that rivalry. We played them in the in the Horizon League Championship game in '03, um, and it was a great environment. You know, winner take all to go to the NCAA tournament, and you know, created for some really great games and, and a great environment for the student athletes to play in, despite all the distraction. That that, that that created. Uh, yeah. So um, that's, it's funny because I'm old enough to remember all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um. So now, now after obviously after UIC, you made you, you made your way to Kansas State, um, and you started there in what 2008, I believe it was. Um. So I actually went from UIC to to Wichita State Wichita for State. Okay. a couple year stint for about okay. a year and a half. I, for, um, I keep so forgetting I the in, Wichita State part, and I really shouldn't. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, so I was at Wichita State uh, as an assistant AD from um, 2008 to 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, for So it was a little over a year and a half. Sure. And then, um, you know, didn't think I would leave there that quickly, but the opportunity at K-State opened, and um, and I got involved in, in uh, applying for that and got a chance to visit with John Curry, who was the AD there at the time, and, mm-hmm. and now is the AD at Wake Forest, and um, you know, really that that um, partnership with with John and working for him um, early in his tenure at K State and, and helping him build um, his vision for a model intercollegiate athletics program helped my career trajectory in in a tremendous way, and I learned so much from from all the people in Manhattan and. Spending nine years there was was really you know perfect for me um, at that point in my career and, and and really got me to a point where I was prepared to to take on on this role at Cleveland State. Now now with the, with the Cleveland State role, I guess that uh, that that brings me kind of my to kind of my next question though. Um, now obviously you are for you know since being you know cutting your teeth at UIC, you're familiar with Cleveland State. Um, what was kind of the the draw to this particular role? I mean, obviously we've had we we've had a little bit of turnover the last couple of years. So, um, kind, of, kind of what was the what was kind of the the was it one thing that kind of stuck out um, with with the with the with the Cleveland State job, or was it a number of different things? Yeah, I, I think it was a number of different things. Certainly, the familiarity with with Cleveland State as a brand um, in, in my time at UIC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it being in the Midwest where I've spent my whole life, um, what I actually I consider Midwest. Some people might consider it <laughs> farther east, but I, I think it's a Midwest town and I always have. I, so do I. And, yeah, so that famili- yeah, and so that familiarity and then, and then you know, the regional appeal um, were, were the initial attraction. You know, mm-hmm. to be honest, I, I had been to Cleveland once a little over 20 years ago for a for a baseball series i'm a white Sox fan and ah. um, hopefully people don't hold that against me here in cleveland but i came here um for a for a white Sox indian series mm-hmm. um and and my last impression of, of cleveland was totally different than what it is now and so um that initial <laughs> well, attraction I mean, yeah. was just, <laughs> it, it's just grown so much it was a different place when i visited and so you know, I was initially kind of skeptical if it was something that would fit for me. 
Um, but then, you know, through my, through my name in the hat and, sure. and, and got into the search and, you know, my first vi- visit with president's hands is really what sold, um, this. And so, you know, partnering with him and, and his team on the, on improving the trajectory and building Cleveland state, uh, as a university and how athletics can partner in that was, mm-hmm. was really important for me. I, I thought to be a part of, and I was just blown away with, the resurgence of downtown and, you know, Playhouse Square, sure. everything going down, you know, around um, Rocket Mortgage Arena sure. and um, what the Cavs have done. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, certainly the, the opportunity here, uh, the opportunities that existed as I as I learned more about the department sure. was that I, I really do feel like it's a place where I can make an impact. I can work with our staff and our coaches and our student athletes to mm-hmm. deliver what we'll, what we call a transformational student athlete experience. Sure, sure. Yeah. By the way, twenty years ago, I, I can agree with you. Most of downtown Cleveland was an episode of Life After People. Um, so that was. <laughs> that, um, yeah, it was. It was. There was a lot of Scooby Doo ghost town things going on, but obviously that has changed, thankfully, over the past uh, past uh, couple of decades. So, um, so that's very. So that, that's pretty useful. Um, so. Um, now that you're now now that you're in a role, I mean, obviously, you know, from my perspective, I, you know, I've been fo- I've been following Cleveland State forever and ever and ever. Um, this is you're coming at a very interesting time, um, and by interesting, I mean it, it, it's not been great. I mean, you, you have a you, the basketball team, the Crown Jewels, lost twenty games in a row, four years in a row. Attendance is the lowest I've ever seen it, and I've like I said, I've been mm-hmm. following a lot. Um, and you added that the, and then you added that, um, you know, the, the largest news organization in the, in the area the plane dealers basically abdicated any responsibility to cover Cleveland state anymore. Uh, I've, I've railed on about that multiple times. Um, so with that said, I mean, um, where do you see, how do you see kind of, you know, taking that situation and, you know, and how do you assess that on your end and kind of, you know, strategize to, you know, make some, make significant improvements? Yeah, those are all great questions. I think, um, you know, I've been here three weeks and it's been a, it's been a great um, listening tour is mm-hmm. really what it's been is um, hearing perspective, historical perspective on things that have gone well and things that haven't gone well. Um, one of the things I've shared with our staff is that we're not allowed to use the word challenges. Um, mm-hmm. we, we're going to view everything as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that's really the mindset that uh, that we need to operate with is that, um, yeah, certainly attendance is down. A men's basketball program that hasn't really won in four years um, and, and had any sort of consistency. Um, you know, other uh, other things that are in front of us that we'll need to, to tackle along the way. Sure. Um, fortunately, you know, my wheelhouse is marketing and tickets and revenue generation. And so I've already, you know, got ideas and been engaged with our staff for, okay. for, for um, the last three weeks on strategies that we're going to use to improve that, you know, regardless of the, the team's performance. I think there's opportunities for us to improve the the game day environment and the experience and how we build a marketing plan to outreach to alumni and faculty and staff and students and um, you know use social media and use relationship building and all those things um, so you know I never entered this and and after the first three weeks certainly now don't ever view this as as um, something that we can't do uh, definitely looking at the bright side of 
all the things, all the possibilities that we have to grow. Mm-hmm. And then certainly the team performance is going to have to align with that. Um, at some point, we, we've got to get going in men's basketball. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are, are encouraging signs there. We, we won um, six out of the last 10 and, and four out of the last six games. And, um, you know, there's, if you look through the, the schedule last year, there's, there's signs of optimism. There's, you know, a handful, uh, there's a three point loss at Fort Wayne and, you know, a one or two point loss at, at, um, Green Bay, um, you know, the, the win at, at Northern Kentucky in front of what, what was the largest crowd that we played in front of all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those things I think are positive signs and certainly, you know, returning all of your starters and 80% of your scoring, um, or minutes, um, and, and really, you know, good kids, um, and adding a couple, you know, impact folks that, that coach Felton feels like will contribute, you know, the trajectory should improve. And then, mm-hmm. you know, our efforts from a marketing standpoint will align, align with the team's performance and, and, and it'll get better. Okay. Sure. Um, one of the things last year, one of the, one of the other bright spots last year, other than being Northern Kentucky, and that's never going to get old, um, is the fact that for probably the first time in maybe 30 years, uh, Cleveland State basketball has been on broadcast television. They had the uh, the six game, uh, they had the six game broadcast deal with uh, uh, WUAB channel uh, channel 43, mm-hmm. the CW. Um, I'll, I'll you know and. Uh, nothing is nothing has made me happier than to be able to use my antenna and be able to watch the game without having to have an ESPN Plus subscription. Um, is that something that's is that something that, um, moving forward? Is that something that's going to be uh, on the table again next year and subsequent years? Is or uh, have you had a discussion about kind of uh, the the broadcast rights at this point? Sure. So, um, actually, Commissioner Lacrone was here a couple days ago and, and had an opportunity to visit with him. Um, you know, we we're going to be great league partners, and I think for the benefit of of the whole Horizon League, um, we need to be at the forefront of of the evolution of how TV has changed. And the more content that we can aggregate as a league and provide to folks like ESPN for for ESPN Plus or to to others. Um, for um, for digital packages is I think important for the growth of our league um, from a revenue standpoint and from a visibility standpoint. And um, although all of the folks you know out there watching sports have not necessarily evolved to feeling comfortable with a subscription model, it's only a matter of time before that's the best practice. And so um, you know it's unfortunate that that local access. Um, diminishes, but I think the reality of where we're at from a technology perspective is that, you know, being able to watch on any device anywhere is really, really important. And the numbers um, play, you know, speak to that. So if you go back and look at data of the exposure of Mm -hmm. the teams in our league and certainly Cleveland State, that um, the numbers bear out that that's the right decision. And so, um, and I'll touch on your, your question previously too about the plane dealer and local yeah. media. That is obviously very important. That one, um, is, that one's kind of a sore subject for me. I'm, I'm not going to lie. That's, that's kind of annoyed me for about a decade. <laughs> sure. And you hate to see, you know, people lose, lose their jobs and, yeah. down, you know, corporations downsize mm-hmm. newspapers, but that, that evolution is happening too. And so, you know, we need to embrace the evolution of, you know, from traditional media to, to digital media. And mm-hmm. a lot of it is controlling our own message. And so we've talked about our staff that, you know, we can't necessarily 
fight a battle that we can't win. Um, sure. You know, should we invest our times in um, seeing if the local newspaper will cover us or should we invest our time in building out a great digital platform and providing video content and social media mm-hmm. and telling our own story? Um, we've got exposed stories of our student athletes and their experiences here at Cleveland State yeah. as students, as people, as competitors, and 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 nobody can make a bigger impact than ourselves in sure. their effort. And I know that that's something that's that, yeah, and that, and, obvi- and that's something I've I've talked. I mean, obviously that's that's a big that's a that's a pretty big deal. Um, and that's the intention that not just basketball but a lot of the other sports should be. I mean, we're talking about. Um, you had a golf. The men's golf team went to, you know, uh, you know, won the Horizon League championship four years in a row, and it took them winning the championship four years in a row to, you know, get a get a TV uh, spot on uh, get a spot uh, TV spot on Channel Nineteen. I mean, that's that's if there is an avenue that you guys are working on, God bless you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, it's a great question, and I think you know, will local media and local TV and radio yeah. is always going to be part of our our sure. outreach strategy, and mm-hmm. we'll maintain relationships with with them, mm-hmm. um, with with all of those folks. Sure. I think it is, but it can't be our only strategy. Yeah. We can't just sit back and complain that we're not getting covered. Um, we have the mechanism and the tools to cover our own stories, you know, yeah. through folks like you and and others that are in the digital media space, and and we're just going to have to evolve. Sure, sure. Um, yes. Um, one other thing. Speaking of that digital part, I know that the one thing that this has actually been, and I know a lot of uh, you know the, the fans that are still around. Um, this has kind of come up multiple times. I know I've talked about it a couple of times um, that you know obviously during the season um, start. It's it, for many many years. It's you know the the basketball coach, whoever that was, be it. Mike Garland or Gary Waters or now Dennis Felton um, has had their weekly ha, has had the weekly radio show, um, mm-hmm. and one of the things that we've always wondered because the one thing that we haven't that I know fans haven't had access to is kind of those digital the the being able to kind of have access to that if they can't make the if they can't listen live um, is that something that's uh, is that something that um, you're going to be starting to work on. I know that's something that I've I've mentioned a lot of times. I mean, it's not all the time I'm able to listen to the weekly show, and I'd love to hear it. You know, and, I'd love to hear it. You know, during the week or something like that. Yeah, that's a great question, um, and I, I that's news to me that it wouldn't have been available. So I appreciate you bringing it up. Um, oh yeah, yeah. We 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 definitely would you know would want some availability of that, and you know to to rebroadcast yeah. it or have it available on our site. Sure. Um, we did meet with the folks at, at Salem Communications actually yesterday. Okay. Um, that that uh, have our currently have our radio rights, and we talked a lot about the the coaches show and in sure. other ways that we can leverage that relationship to to spread the message about about Cleveland State. And I think mm-hmm. that we'll you know we'll find ways to do that. And that's a great recommendation that access to that show sure. and not having to listen to it live is yeah certainly one of those one of those tactics that we would use to to spread the message. Now, for obvious purpose, for obvious reasons, as somebody who has a podcast, my recommendation would just go to a full podcast. But that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, live radio rights are still important sure. um, in in college athletics, and particularly yeah. in basketball for us. And so, you know, anytime you can couple other uh, other inventory, whether that's other contests with our other 
teams and you know promotions that we can do on air with their other stations and um and it also provides value to, to sponsors right we've got sure. a number of restaurant partners and hotel partners and the ability to to um you know bring our party to those places mm-hmm. um can help those relationships and help drive revenue for our department sure, sure. um so one of our one of the focal points of our podcast in general is uh obviously it's 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 about the fan bases um and in recent in over the last year we've talked a lot about the the student fans um i know we have talked to uh student fans from uh, northern kentucky the valhalla vanguard um as well as the the uh, oakland's o- uh, grizz gang um, mm-hmm. And both of them have been, you know, th- those are two examples of, you know, student fan, uh, kind of student fan groups that kind of grew organically and kind of have kind of come to the forefront of kind of being that, that, that face, that student face of the, fa- uh, of the fan base. Um, and, and Cleveland State has, has attempted this a couple of times, um, many years ago with, uh, with the Berserkers and then transitioning into the Viking Village. And it, it hasn't seemed to, in the last couple of years, it hasn't really seemed to have kind of gotten any legs. And I guess my question would be kind of how do you, especially with uh, knowing that, you know, if you get stu- student fans eventually translate to alumni who translate to future season ticket holders, which f- translates to future ticket revenues. Um, so it's all kind of a big cycle. And I, I, my question would be kind of how do you kind of address what I see as kind of the disconnect between um, the student, uh, you know, the student body and uh, what's going on, you know, in athletics, specifically with men's basketball. Yeah, it's definitely one of the one of the things that we'll need to work on um, on a strategy for. Mm-hmm. We visited a little bit. We've been a, we've been pretty focused the last three weeks on on men's basketball season tickets, sure. um, and and how we generate you know unrestricted donations and how that that, that interacts with season tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, we will we will you know tackle um, uh, student attendance and student engagement uh, initiatives. Our staff has has talked um, about what the experience is like for a student coming to a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll pay attention to that. You know, where do they sit and how close do they sit? What type of other experiences in addition to just watching the game do we provide? Or you know, giveaways or other engagement. Um, we've got to work to to get on campus and yeah. get you know, coach and the student athletes and our staff in front of as many people as possible. We've got to get into the residence halls and into the apartments around campus we need to be at the restaurants and um and dining centers that our students are are eating at and we've got to find ways to just generate excitement and um and build relationships with students you know Mm -hmm. a a relationship with student government and a lot of our other larger student organizations uh, collaboration with our student affairs officials on campus all Uh of those things will be strategies that we use and then you're right I, i do think that some sort of identity is always important and you see some of the best student sections in the country have that you know Mm -hmm. visual brand and and something that you know students can feel like they're part of a club right Mm -hmm. um they're always looking for a group to be a part of and so can we can we provide that type of identity where i've what i've seen is most places where that occurs it's not forced Mm -hmm. it's something that kind of evolves naturally from the students um and so you know i asked i think on my first day here is who are our student super fans? 
Um, and it wasn't a good sign when the answer was, I'm not really sure. Um, yeah. So um, we've got to identify who those funny super fans that, are. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, prior to prior to the podcast, I, I actually wrote a, a weekly column. And one of the things that I did before every school year is – you know, openly address the, you know, the, the incoming freshmen. And uh, I guess it, I don't know, maybe, mm. maybe I was a little abrasive. I don't think they listened to me. <laughs> I don't know. How well, you know, well, we definitely want to be out and be positive and yeah. not talk about, you know, how many students we don't have at games. We want to no. talk about the potential of how many we could have at games. Sure. Um, and I and think so we'll definitely that, be I think engaged that's a good idea. totally I mean, that's a, in that. You know, because as I mentioned, you know, the, you know, at, at some point in time, because I'm, you know, you know, as, we 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 need we need as many fans as humanly possible. That's right. That's so, right. We got a large arena, and we're gonna try to fill it as best we can. Sure. I think we can make progress, and then you know, and hopefully we win some ball games, and that that'll certainly help too. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm glad you brought up. I'm actually glad you brought up the Wolstein Center because that has been a that has been a years long discussion mm-hmm. <laughs> about what's going on with what's going on with the Wolstein Center. Obviously, it is. Cleveland State's home arena for at least the immediate future. Um, where does it? Uh, where do you see? I, I know that's probably going to be something that you'll be asked about multiple times over the next. I don't know how many time, how many times during the year, but um, where do you see kind of the strategy as far as the kind of the future of the Wolstein Center? Because um, obviously that's going to be a collaborative effort for not just between you, but you know other members of the university. Yeah, there'll be many people involved in any decision making in that regard. Um, we'll, you know, we'll do some some strategic uh, exploration um, at some point in the in the longer term. It's it's definitely a longer term issue and not a not a short term issue. Sure. I haven't been here long enough to have a position um, <laughs> one way or the other on on what we do or you know a new arena or, or a renovation of Wolstein or what that looks like. Um, you know, it's the the building. Uh, probably needs a little bit of attention regardless, even some short-term sure. attention on things that we can do to, to, to liven it up, um, even if it's not, you know, the long-term solution. But, you know, I'll, I'll partner with all of my teammates on campus and, and you know, we'll do a thorough review, you know, moving sure. forward of, of what sure. the university's strategy should be in that regard. Sure. Now, the one thing that I did want to ask about, uh, I did want to ask about, actually doesn't have anything to do with basketball or anything, but I, you know, I have been kind of following the the kind of the evolution of the men's lacrosse program yeah. uh, over the last three years. Um, the, the, you know, culminating with their first winning season within three years. Um, mm-hmm. And the one thing that I did find, the one thing that I found very interesting Specifically in the last game is that the last game was actually broadcast on YouTube Live uh, uh, through uh, Cleveland State uh, Cleveland State's uh, YouTube channel, um, mm-hmm. and what and obviously given you know not to take away from any of the other sport uh, any of the other programs obviously but um, all the other programs kind of have some association with the Horizon League and as a result they are kind of tied into ESPN, the ESPN family of networks. So, you know, things like uh, championship games that are Horizon League related, of course, are going to be ending up on ESPN3, ESPN+. Whereas lacrosse kind of doesn't have that. And the, and obviously looking at kind of their dynamic, there's nowhere to go, but they're, they're still kind of on the, they're definitely on the up and up. And 
the two questions that I had with regards to lacrosse are, um, are there any opportunities for, are there any opportunities there for broadcasting? And more importantly, I know this has come up a couple of times, um, conference affiliation for them. Is that something that's, uh, that's definitely in, on the, it's some, something that's kind of in the, on the horizon? Yeah, so, um, you know, Coach Sheridan and I have spent um, a, a little bit of time together these, this first three weeks, and, you know, very impressive um, uh, coach. Uh, his staff is great. Uh, the, the, the student-athletes, the men in our program are impressive. I've met a number of their parents mm-hmm. um, who are very invested in the success of our program. You know, for us to finish 44th in, in regular season RPI, and you know, finish, finish. I think of the highest independent um, school in the in the yeah. rankings, um, and you know, finish ahead of a lot of a lot of really good teams um, is a, is an impressive place to be after three seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, conference affiliation is what it'll take for us to take the next step as a program. Yeah. Um, and I'll work with coach, um, and certainly President Sands will be involved, and you know, we'll explore and turn over every rock we can to find find the right conference home. For our men's lacrosse program, I'm committed to doing that. Um, we've got to we've we've got to sell ourselves. We've got to um, come up with materials that talk about how great Cleveland State is. Because sure. a lot of the folks that we're going to be reaching out to don't know a lot about us, and so sure. you know we've really got to uh, got to put it on um, thick on on how we're how we're approaching that, and really have a strategic marketing thought process about how we're um, uh, you know trying to uh, appeal conference commissioners. To, and and presidents of those institutions to to want to add us um, to their league, sure. and so that'll be a process that we go through. Um, and then certainly, you know, from a broadcast standpoint, you're right um, because it's independent; those those rights aren't obligated to the Horizon League. Um, mm-hmm. There are a number of other events in our sports that get returned back to the school each year that you know we could um, do something with otherwise, whether that's local television or um, you know, YouTube or, or whatever, however we would want to manage that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll continue to broadcast, um, games for lacrosse when, you know, when we have the capacity to do so and where it makes sense to do so. But obviously when you bring folks in and, you know, we've got a number of kids from in state, but, but, uh, some out of state kids too, that their folks sure. can't come see games. And that's always mm-hmm. important to their friends and family and, and, and folks are able to, to see them and lacrosse players from across the country who might, you know, want to be interested in coming and playing here, get a chance to see our program as well. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I know, I know that over the course of the last three years, I, I've seen coach Sheridan kind of, and his staff really, really puts yeoman's work in to kind of get the word out about their program. I mean, you know, uh, coach Sheridan is one of my, I, I've and the lacrosse team, I'm pretty. I definitely follow the lacrosse to, to Twitter account, so I definitely um, kind of well versed on that. But also, too, I'm just equally impressed that you know with the they they had all their home games in the dome and they were averaging like they were averaging you know <laughs> they were practically filling that dome every game. So that's that's pretty impressive in and of itself. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of how the, how that how their you know how that builds up even more in the future. Yeah, I think the fan. I, I went to the last the the last game of the year um, and saw us clinch the the winning season over Detroit Mercy and um, was impressed by the crowd. Um, it, it you know to have that level of interest 
mm-hmm. and just year three in the program are, is, sure. a, is a really great sign of the trajectory. And I think that um, the value it brings to, to Cleveland State um, sure. is something that, that um, certainly uh, is something we can be proud of. And, of course, Detroit Mercy being a Horizon League school, anytime you can beat them, that's always helpful, too. Yeah, I asked um, before the, the, the game if we had a uh, Horizon League championship trophy sitting around <laughs> that we could present to the team afterwards, but, but they told me that wouldn't be appropriate. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, so... Uh... Yeah, it's in, it's interesting because I know that we've uh, and I think I've actually we've actually talked about lacrosse on a previous episode with with that we've had fans on in which uh, lacrosse has come up. I know um, some of the fans are also fans of lacrosse, and, but obviously Cleveland State and Detroit Mercer are the only two Horizon League schools at the moment. But you never know; maybe everybody else will jump on board someday. Yeah, we'll see how that that space evolves, and if that sport continues to grow, there may be opportunities for us to grab other independent schools or uh, more regional schools that maybe are in a conference that doesn't doesn't quite fit. That you know, well, it, it's certainly a possibility, you know, as as the years go on. Sure, sure. All right. Well, uh, well, Scott, um, I think that's going to kind of wrap it up for us. Uh, again, thank you very much for uh, for coming on the podcast. Um, and um, and again, good luck to you, uh, good luck to you in the future. And I'm I'm sure that uh, I I'm sure that you will uh, will be hearing a lot more about uh, what's going on at Cleveland State here soon. Yeah, I look forward to crossing paths, meeting you in person, and definitely appreciate the work you're doing to promote the league and, and our institutions. I think that you know any chance we get to to really promote our student athletes that are in a really good conference um, is, is a good thing for all of us. So thank you. Sure, not a problem. Uh, to close out the, the show, uh, we wanted to thank uh, Scott Garrett once again for uh, coming on the show. Uh, I was really, I got to admit, I'm kind of impressed with pretty much uh, how things have started out for him. Um, I have to say one other thing, and I didn't mention this uh, during our interview, but the one thing that kind of did strike me is, uh, kind of did intrigue me from the outset is um, for the first time and well ever in the history of Cleveland State uh, he, we have an athletic director who was on Twitter and um, and he's he, he's quite engaging on Twitter as well so it, it's it, you would think it, it's those little things to me that are kind of a big deal so I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing the how Cleveland State, as I mentioned, really starts progressing under Garrett um, in the near future. So, and also wanted to thank uh, Cleveland State Student uh, uh, Sports Information Director uh, Roger McAfee for being very patient with me in uh, getting this uh, interview together. I know we've been kind of working on this even before, uh, you know, before, while during the when the announcement was made, and I'm really happy that uh, we were able to get everything together. So uh, that will uh, that will close out this particular episode. Do not forget that the next episode, the second episode of this week, we are absolutely positively talking to Greg Campy. I am <laughs> that one. I'm really looking that one. I'm looking forward to as much as I look. I was looking forward to this discussion with Scott Garrett. So uh, you definitely don't want to miss that. Back to back episodes um, one day after the other. So you definitely want to stay tuned to that. And remember, 
You can always find episodes of the Horizon Roundtable on our home at HorizonRoundtable.com. You can find us wherever you find podcasts, including Anchor.fm, where you can actually leave a message and record, and we may actually uh, play that in a future episode. You can also find episodes of the Horizon Roundtable on your Amazon or Google devices. Um, There's not a lot of places we're not anymore, so keep on listening, and, and again, thank you for listening.